Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to the Circe Podcast Network. I'm Joshua Gibbs, and this is Proverbial, the podcast where we explore the wisdom of the ages as it comes to us in Proverbs, by which I mean wise sayings a man may live by if he's not so arrogant as to think himself special. Episode 130, Zed's Dead. Today's proverb comes from Plato. I'll read it twice. Compulsory intellectual work never remains in the soul. Once more, compulsory intellectual work never remains in the soul. Socrates makes this claim a little more than halfway through the Republic. As a teacher, this is chilling to hear. You can track down this quote if you like. It means exactly what it sounds like, though. And what it sounds like is if you force someone to learn something... It won't stick. If you force someone to listen to a lecture, nothing you say will stick. There has to be some willingness on the part of the listener in order for the lecture to remain in the soul. If you're a teacher, this is terrifying. It rings true even if you're not a teacher, though. So, I'm a teacher. If you listen to the show often enough, you know that. I often talk about the classroom. I talk about things pertaining to pedagogy and classical education. This rings true, though, even if you haven't set foot in a school in 30 years. 
it rings true. You don't have to have ever taught a class in your life for this to immediately ring true. You know full well how much you have forgotten. You know how much you've forgotten from school. Consider for a moment that just so far as high school is concerned, just 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade, that's 4,000 hours of your life. You spend 4,000 hours of your life in high school. How much of what you heard in those 4,000 hours is still with you? Think of all the things that you were taught. Think of all the things that you learned and which you retained for a week that are no longer there. Everyone knows this is true. Everyone knows that at some point you had the Stewart line, the tutors, you had stoichiometry up in your head. You had the whole periodic table, all the abbreviations. You had the parts of the cell. You had all of these things in your mind. And they were there for a little while, and then they left. You don't have to be a teacher to know that compulsory intellectual work never remains in the soul. It would probably take me an hour just to list all the things that I know I have forgotten. Like, I know that I once knew stoichiometry. I know that I once knew the Stewart line. I got a diploma at the end of 12th grade. And I took a chemistry class, so the periodic table had to be up there in my head at some point. But it's gone. It would take me an hour just to list all the things that I know I have forgotten. And then there's all the stuff that I have forgotten I have forgotten. And it was all compulsory. All the stuff that was there for a little while and then gone was compulsory intellectual work. At the same time, at the same time that you have forgotten most of high school, Think about all the pointless stuff that you still remember. You can still nail Eminem's verse from Forgot About Trey. I mean, I can. You probably can too. You still know every other line of Pulp Fiction. And you may say, but I like Pulp Fiction. I don't like stoichiometry. I saw Pulp Fiction 12 times. Yes, you did. And no one forced you to see Pulp Fiction 12 times. You were just as free to watch Pulp Fiction as you were to review your stoichiometry notes, though. And that's key. That's the linchpin to this whole thing. I'll come back to that later. Let me repeat, though. If you watch Pulp Fiction 12 times, you do so in a state where you were just as free to decide what you were going to do 
as you were to review stoichiometry or the Stewart one. You're free to do what you want. And you remember the things that you do when you're free. Why does compulsory work not remain in the soul? First reason is we don't come back to compulsory work. We don't come back to the things we were compelled to learn when we have our own time. If we are compelled to do intellectual work, we do it. And when the compulsion ceases, the knowing ceases as well. Now, here's the thing. When you hear this quote, compulsory intellectual work never remains in the soul. I think that most people upon hearing that probably make this immediate alteration in the quote. And this often happens with Proverbs. The proverb says one thing and you make it say something else a split second after you hear it. And you don't actually, there's a temptation to not actually deal with the particular wording of a proverb and to immediately make it into something easier to understand, which is fine. I think that's a natural human tendency. But this is a proverb where it will repay our attention to be very meticulous in the particular wording. Compulsory intellectual work doesn't remain in the soul. It doesn't remain in the soul. And if you hear this and it immediately rings true, you have probably turned the word soul into the word brain. When you hear this quote, compulsory intellectual work doesn't remain in the soul, what you immediately heard was compulsory intellectual work doesn't remain in the brain. It doesn't remain in the mind. But the soul and the brain are different. Now, it's true that compulsory intellectual work doesn't remain in the brain. That is true, but that is not the quote. The quote is about the soul. This is a quote about spiritual matters. It is not merely about memory. It concerns memory. It is not primarily about memory, though. It is about something supernatural. It is about the soul. Is there a real difference between compulsory intellectual work doesn't remain in the soul and compulsory intellectual work doesn't remain in the mind. Is there a real difference here? I want to say yes and no. Real learning takes place in the soul. Lasting learning takes place in the soul. The soul is eternal. The soul is immortal. So if you can get something into your soul, it's going to be there a while. The mind is not eternal. The mind is very mortal. You lose your mind at the end of your life. If you live to be old enough, you're not going to be all there. And that's a reference to the mind, not to the soul. You become forgetful at the end of your life. You don't become wicked at the end of your life. So it's not as though everyone who lives to be 110 and is completely senile becomes incredibly evil. They just become incredibly forgetful. Which means that if you want something to last your whole lifetime, you're going to have to get it deeper than your brain. 
lasting learning takes place in the soul. Everything else, I think, is held onto in the mind. The longer something has to be in the mind, the more likely it is to reach the soul. Something happens, though, in the moment of leisure, in the moment of freedom. Something happens in moments of leisure that never happens in moments of compulsion. Leisure is the the yielding of the soul. Leisure is the opening of the soul. And so leisure is the deepest expression of human desire. Labor expresses desire as well, but not our deepest desires. Labor is an inexact expression of our desires. Leisure is an exact expression, or it's a more exact expression of what we truly want. In leisure, our souls open like mouths. The souls of the leisurely open. A yearning soul is an open soul. Just like you can't put anything into a closed fist, you can't put anything into a closed mouth, you can't put anything into a closed soul. It will not recede it. Leisure is self-forgetfulness. Sometimes leisure is productive, sometimes not. There are times when I forget myself when I am writing. And I write, for me writing is it's hard to distinguish between labor and leisure. There are times when it's labor. There are times when it's leisure. Writing is, it's often a slog. It's a struggle. But every now and again, the great ones while writing is easy. And it becomes easy when my soul is open and then when my soul is open, it's an unusual kind of leisure because when my soul is open when I'm writing, there are things coming out of my soul, not things going in. It is leisure nonetheless. It is a spiritual activity. Leisure forms the soul. The things received in the moment of leisure fill the soul and form it. Labor just forms the body. It's possible to know a thing in your mind without knowing it in your soul. And the mind is where we store all the stuff they force us to learn in school. Store it in the mind. We don't want the stuff that we learn in school getting into our souls. Why would we put it there? Why would you put used plastic bags in a trophy case? The stuff they force you to learn in school is work. You have to do it. And as soon as you don't have to, you don't. Now at this point, the teachers listening are thoroughly depressed. And you're depressed if you're a teacher because you know that American education is compulsory. It's all compulsory. Kindergarten through 12th grade through college, it's all compulsory. 
I will grant here, in a teasing sort of way, that though school is compulsory from kindergarten through 12th grade, through 16th grade, it doesn't feel compulsory really until you're out of elementary school. And I have more to say on that subject, which I'm going to put in an essay that I need to publish at another time. I've got a lot more to say about today's proverb. But that's for later. High school is all compulsory. Let's at least grant that high school is compulsory. Much of college is compulsory. Not all of it, though. Not all of it. How about this? Not all of it feels compulsory. And that's kind of the, that's the linchpin issue. I'll come back to it now. Not everything compulsory feels compulsory. If you give thanks for something, if you enjoy something, it doesn't matter that it's compulsory. It doesn't feel that way. This is what's behind that somewhat trite modern saying, get a job doing something you love and you'll never work a day of your life. You may roll your eyes at that. I kind of do. But there's some truth to it, too. Now, granted, not everybody, I think the reason why I roll my eyes at that is because not everybody gets a job doing the thing that they love. Not everybody's loves can rake in 70 grand a year. Some people's can, though. There are some people who do what they love to do, and what they love to do just happens to pay really well. Other people have to work in a cubicle and stare at a screen all day, and they hate it, but it's what they have to do. And if you were to tell them, wow, you really need to get a job doing something that you like, they might retort, you know, nobody's going to pay me 50 bucks an hour to find a good deal on sweaters on Poshmark. That's what I loved it. No one's paying me for that. You're probably not going to make the things that you love into work. You're better off trying to get work to turn into a thing that you love. And that's, that's it. Okay. Parents get to decide what feels compulsory for their children. That's it. That's the piece of parenting advice I would give from now till the time that I die if people actually wanted it. You get to decide what your children find compulsory. Depending on how you raise them, depending on what you begin acclimatizing your children to at a young age, they will determine that school is compulsory or they won't. They will never know it. Imagine raising your kids in such a way that they never figured out that they had to go to school. Imagine raising your children in such a way that they wanted to go to school. Ask yourself, 
what kind of home life your children would need to have if you were raising them in such a way that they wanted to go to school. What would you have to do? Now, I, I, obviously I've got a lot of ideas here, but as opposed to laying out a number of things that you ought to do, why don't we start with the low-hanging fruit and talk about things that you ought not to do in raising your kids if you want them to feel as though school is a thing that they are free to do. Number one, if you give your kid a smartphone, school is compulsory. Because smartphones are fun and school is not. Smartphones are constant distraction. That's what smartphones do. It doesn't matter if you monitor your kid's apps. Give me a break. They are still going to wreck your kid's concentration. They're going to wreck their attention span. Your, your teenage son doesn't need to follow any lurid Instagram accounts in order for Instagram to wreck his concentration, to wreck his ability to pay attention to the Stewart line, to the periodic table, to Pride and Prejudice. He can follow weightlifting accounts, sneaker accounts, NBA accounts, nothing but good and wholesome stuff, and it can still rack his ability to pay attention in class because that's what those things do. They incentivize distraction. They incentivize a low attention spin. It's not as though Instagram turns toxic the moment that he's following, the moment that your teenage son is following, like, girls in a state of undress on Instagram. It's not like that's the point at which it becomes bad. It becomes bad way before that. Right, screen time becomes way destructive way before anything lurid appears on the screen. If you want your kids to be constantly distracted in the classroom, train them to be constantly distracted at home. Induce them to develop a pattern of thinking that cannot hold on, any sec on anything for more than three seconds. If you do that, school will feel entirely compulsory. If you want school to feel compulsory, make your children's lives outside of the classroom as filled with loud, colorful, hyper-edited pop culture. It, Christian, secular, doesn't matter. If you want school to feel compulsory, you want your child to have a mind that cannot linger on anything that is common or plain or tranquil or serene without becoming bored and, and not just sad bored, but angry bored. There's different kinds of boredom. I have been bored enough in meetings before that I nearly cried. But then there's angry boredom. Man, in the same way that there's different kinds of drunks, there's different kinds of bored people. Like some drunk people are sentimental. Some are violent. I swear that's true of boredom as well. Different kinds of boredom. Some boredom is hostile. Like there are some students who become hostile, reckless, destructive when they are, when they are bored. 
That's not every bored person, though. You get to decide what your children find compulsory. The way that you're raising them will determine how forced school feels. You can also raise your kids from a young age to enjoy talking with adults. I mean, you can raise them to hate talking to adults. You can never compel, never force your children to talk to adult guests when they come into your home. You can send your children away immediately as soon as adults show up. The split second that they're done eating dinner, dismiss them, get them out of here. Let them never hear adults talk among themselves. Let children never hear adult conversation in such a way that they might find it intriguing or slowly come to understand the way that adults talk. Get them out of here. We're bored with them. They're bored with us. Let's be done with it. And if that's the case, they will not enjoy spending time with adults in a classroom. They will not enjoy adult conversation in the classroom. Some of the, some of the more remarkable students I've had in a 19-year career teaching were students who had cosmopolitan parents, actually entrepreneurial parents, and needed their children to become acquainted with that entrepreneurial spirit. And so they were constantly involving their children in their lives. And though those students weren't brilliant students, they weren't A-plus students, they were comfortable with the world. They were comfortable with the world of adults. They saw the world of adults as this attractive, intriguing option that many of their classmates, for whatever reason, just weren't capitalizing on. And they began moving into the world of adults from a young age. And they've done well for themselves. Not because their parents forced a lot of things into their heads, but because their parents helped them to be free. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. 
Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.